Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. Hey everybody, I'm Lizzie. And I'm Joe. We're from the band Hailstorm. And you're listening to Middle Up Your Podcast. Welcome to Melody Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. This is episode 197. We're going to dip back into exploring the Big Four with Megadeth's cryptic writings. We, this is one of the most highly requested Explore the Big Fours that we've ever done. Right. And I'm coming in pretty much dry. Yeah, same. Um, I do know that it's their 1997 album mm-hmm. after Euthanasia. And I've been reading about it. I have a lot to say about it. I'm, I'm sure you do. And I'm excited to hear what you have to say about it. I don't think I've listened to this record in... Over 20 years. I might have dipped in here and there, but uh, I kind of got off the Megadeth train after Euthanasia, and uh, so I'm, I'm excited to listen to it with you. Uh, both of us have somewhat fresh ears. Well, if you're joining us for the first time, we are an all-Metallica podcast. Each week, Ethan and I get together to talk about our favorite metal band, The Mighty Metallica. Explore the Big Four is a series we started doing a year or so ago where we take a look at some of the albums from the other so-called Big Four bands, mm-hmm. Anthrax, Megadeth, and Slayer. And we get to the bottom of it. That's we, right. We literally explore them. It's like in, we're like two Inspector Gadgets. I was going to say Indiana Jones, but yeah, maybe maybe if Indiana Jones also had a Go Go Gadget yeah. propeller on his head and could fly. Go Go Gadget, Dave. Or if Inspector Gadget had a Go Go Gadget whip. That's true. Or maybe Inspector Gadget and Indiana Jones have teamed up to explore the Big Four. Right. right. Also with a. Uh, um, was the dog's name Crime McGruff or something? I don't know. But they're <laughs> going to find Carmen San Diego also while they're they out will, there. They will, yeah. I'm told. Probably Waldo as well. <laughs> so I'm excited. It's 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 a little bit of a break from Metallica. And uh, we hope you all enjoyed our interview with Adam Dubin, mm-hmm. Sweet Cat. We still have a bunch of stuff in the works with uh, some of the other people who made the book, Brian Liu and Harold Oyman, right. however you say his name. So a lot of fun sauce coming up. Um, as we mentioned in that episode, the last episode, we're giving away two copies of The Murder in the Front Row DVD, all you have to do is leave us a positive review on iTunes, Mm -hmm. and it's U.S. only. U.S. only, and everything from September 1st on will be considered. And then also, over on Patreon, we are giving away the S&M 2 Deluxe box set. So, if you've been wondering whether or not to become a patron, now's the time to do it, because you might win this box set. That's true. Now is the time to do it. I mean, we're not sure the exact date we're going to announce it, but it's going to be pretty soon. So everyone stay tuned. And also, like I said in the last episode, follow us on Instagram because we're going to announce it on Instagram Live. Yep. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, YouTube. If you go to all of your favorite social media platforms, type in Metal Up Your Podcast, you will find us. Uh, this week, Ethan is releasing his Lockdown EP. That's EP, right. a cover song. This you guys, Friday. You guys can support him by purchasing that EP or streaming it wherever you can mm-hmm. get your stuff. I don't, It'll it, be everywhere. It'll be on iTunes, Am- cool. Amazon, Google, uh, Spotify, whatever. Ethan has another uh, podcast called The Pirate Satellite. I have another podcast called I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. You can go find all of those anywhere you do the stuff. That's right. Those uh, Consider those our echo brains. 
Okay. And we're not going to, and we're not going to get mad at each other for doing them. In the colder world. I've actually got a great episode coming out this weekend for the 20th. With Echo Brain? With Echo Brain. I got Jason Newstead now. Um, uh, Myself and John Davis and producer Nick Raskin-Lennox, who you probably know from, did Hailstorm, Rush. Alice Alice in Chains. Chains, Bunch of stuff. Three of us sat down to celebrate and talk about the 20th anniversary of Super Drags in the Valley of Dying Stars. Love it. So about an hour-ish long episode, we just chat about that record uh, in depth. Love it. So check that out this Saturday. Okay, cool. Great album, Super Drag, mm-hmm. homie of ours, John Davis. All right. Uh, the easiest way to get a hold of us is via email, metalupyourpodcastshow at gmail.com. We love hearing from the family. We're going to do that now. We'll be lovingly referred to as the, the email portal. All right. Would you like to start us off? I would love to. Our first email is from the man who returned the Master of Puppets backdrop to the boys, Mr. Wayne Summers. He says, hey, guys, sorry it's taking me so long to join Patreon, but I'm here now. Love the latest Cliff Mall episode. Would love to do a catch-up episode one day with you guys five years on from the mop, mop backup story, Master Puppets. You know, I was hanging out in the uh, Patreon igloo, as I call it, mm-hmm. and I was thinking, you know what? It's pretty crowded in here. A lot of people in here. A lot of beautiful people. Yeah. But we're missing one guy. I just had this feeling that we were missing a guy. Yeah. It was Wayne. Wayne, and he's here. Now he's here. It's complete. <laughs> the circle of life. It's not shut up. You can still do it on Patreon. No, but. no, just kidding. Yeah. Uh, good to hear from Wayne. Of course, Wayne, we did a whole episode with him. If you don't know the story, I'll make it really brief. The Master of Puppets backdrop that you see in the in the Aussie tour videos mm-hmm. and all that stuff with Cliff was stolen decades ago. Yeah. And the band did not know who had it or where it was. It was the tale of the missing, speaking of Indiana Jones, uh, uh, the tale of the missing backdrop. Wayne Summers found it in the wild. He's a huge Metallica collector Mm -hmm. and he bought it with his own hard-earned cashola. Yeah. And he returned it to the band because that's the kind of guy he is. That's the kind of guy he is and was able to present it to the band. And then they brought him on stage during the uh, when all the fans were on stage that summer. Yeah, it's awesome. So cool. And then we got to see him and meet him at our two-year anniversary party and rock out with him that's over right. by, the, uh, by the soundboard at the Nashville gig. And now he's a patron. So thank you, Wayne. Thank you, Appreciate Wayne. Appreciate that. Our next email is from Stephen Hutchison, who says, Hey, fellas, thank you so much for an amazing podcast about the best band in the world. Like many of your listeners in the Metal Up Your Podcast family, Metallica and metal in general, have been a part of my life since literally before I was born. Whoa. He says, like Bane molded by the darkness, <laughs> I was molded by metal. While my mom was pregnant, she listened to White Zombie on repeat and went to a Metallica concert, and my dad had me sing Corn Rules at about two years old. I think he was just trying to get you to eat your vegetables. Bro. Yeah, that's probably that's what it is. It's a different kind of corn. Yeah, yeah. The corn with a C. My favorite bands then were Corn and Green Beans. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like the Green Beans song, Basket Case. <laughs> Probably my favorite metal band is Carrots. And I also like Green Jello. <laughs> Green Jello. Oh my God, dude. I was at Great Escape, the one in Madison. Yeah, love it. Please. Yesterday. Yeah. And there was a guy playing Little Pig, Little Pig, Let Me In, which is Green Jelly. Is that Green they, they, Jelly? They were, they were originally called Green Jello, and then we're going to get sued by the Jello company. So change okay. it to Green Jelly. He was playing that on his phone for his, uh, presumably his son. Yeah. And his, he's like, You've never heard this before? And his son's like, I've never heard it. And he's like, wow. And it's like, little pig, little pig. And the kid's like, wow, it's really awesome. And his dad's like, yeah. And I was like, man, this is so cool. He's just turning his kid on to just green jelly. It, it, just out in public. <laughs> Dude, I saw that band on Warp Tour when uh, Relant K was doing it in 11 or 8, one of the years I was there. And it was kind of a bummer. They were playing like a tent, not even an actual stage. Right. And it was literally them. I, I walked over and, you know, that's the only song I know by them. 
Well, that's why they're in the tent, bro. Right. And it was it was a bummer because I was watching them. They were they were like very passionate, <laughs> going for it. And there was probably ten people watching them, half of my band included, and the rest of the people just walking past them, like yeah. in, like a, in a strip mall. I mean, it was a bummer. I've I've been to those shows. I talk often about a, a guy who's doing really well now, but a, a guy called Blue. Yeah. And I'll never forget seeing him at the Nick in Birmingham. No one there except the staff. Maybe me. I had a fake ID to get in just to see him. And maybe four people playing pool in the back. Yeah. And they played like it was Madison Square Garden. Yeah. And when you're green jelly <laughs> and it's, what year was this event? It's either 08 or 2011. Okay. So when it's 25 years past uh, your MTV heyday. Right. And you're in that tent and you're already there. You brought the van. You brought your boys. You're going to play your, you're going to play your art. Your only move is to give it 100%. What other move is there? Uh, the only move I could think of is just play the Three Little Pigs song 10 times. <laughs> Make that your set list. I, I mean, you 2 on their first tour opened and closed their set with their single. Yeah. Uh, bands do that often. Yeah, bands yeah. will do that. Yeah. Um, well, because the people who gathered as you played might might not have heard the your biggest song. Right, so yeah. Play it again. I don't, give, I don't care. Do it, please. I've, I've seen comedians live who ran out of material. But they were doing so good and never wanted to stay. I saw Brian Regan do this. He came up for an encore and he was like, I don't really have any more material. And we all just wanted him to do the material again. Just do the same thing he did before. We like it. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Well, I love that they were giving it their all. That inspires yeah. me. If Metallica played Sad But True in a set twice, I'd be cool with it. No problem. Yeah. No problem. How about they played Frantic twice? That's, that eats up. That's Ooh. the whole set almost. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's definitely going to... You might have a time for an encore. But that's about it. Well, Stephen's email goes on to say, My son will be named after James Hetfield. I had Metallica playing at my wedding, and I have a Metallica tattoo on my ribs. And even after all this time, other bands putting out new music and death metal, deathcore, metalcore genres growing bigger and bigger, I still find myself listening to the same band. Carrots. Carrots. <laughs> I'd like to interject something real quick, yeah. uh, Stephen. Please do. If your Metallica rib tattoo isn't a spit-out-the-bone-themed tattoo, <laughs> I'm going to be very disappointed. <laughs> That's true. That's it has pretty to good. be. has to be. Yeah. All right. Um, lastly, he says, this podcast, meaning us, by the way, has let me see them in a new perspective and take the deep dive into every record and song yet again. I find parts of each album that I love, some more than others, and then he writes, flush it out. And I must say that Justice will always be my favorite album for the impact it's had on my life. But as I matured, I was able to admit that Puppets is their best. There is a difference, and it is my dream to meet Hetfield and just thank him for his contribution to my life. There's no feeling like driving down the road with the windows down and blasting black. Yeah, it's right. Thanks for the hours of Metallic Entertainment. Steven, what a nice email, Steven. Thank great, you so yeah. much, dude. And uh, I don't know if his kid's already born, but he's naming him James. James, I mean, James Hetfield. Yeah. And, and uh yeah, get back to us about that tattoo. I yeah, mean, that and let us know when that little piggy is born. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our next email is from our good friend Graham Stark. He says, Good day, chaps. By the way, Graham is who sent me the Living End Vinyl. Thank you. Uh, going to keep this short, uh, but, uh, but staying in with the trend of your last few episodes around the documentaries in Metallica World, such as Cliff Mall, You're in the Half, uh, Some Kind of Monster, etc., would you reckon these documentaries are just as important in the Metallica World as actual album releases? Obviously different media, but personally, I reckon the importance of documentaries uh, such as those should not go, but should not be underestimated. Hearing the, uh, the kick drum and James go, what the fuck is that noise at the beginning of Bells in Donington on a year and a half and Harvester in Moscow will probably be, be two, two of the biggest moments falling in love with this band. Keep up with the good work, fellows, Graham. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't know if as important, but just an extension of those records, you know, like a year and a half to me is just 
this incredible bonus that we got with that album and without that album you wouldn't have that documentary yeah i mean i think what he's trying to say i mean yeah it'd be hard to say that they're as important as master of puppets right but i think what he's trying to say is that if you're of a certain age they're just almost inseparable mm -hmm. like i just i don't have a memory of because you know we grew up in the mtv age right man. so i just don't really have a memory of the band not associated with an image yeah or or a video Right, because my first thing was like Inner Sandman, and then that doc, and then they made the Black Album, blew the whole thing out. Then we had Binge and Purge, and right, I yeah. had Seattle '89 and and Mexico City, and I guess there was like almost an entire decade of fans who really only could see magazines or mm -hmm. yeah, Cliff and, them all, you know. I mean, Cliff them all was really the only thing. I mean, they they weren't having cameras follow them around all the time like yeah. they did in the Black Album era. I mean, that's when it kind of really started. And we're grateful for that, to have so many great documentaries, amazingly shot live shows. So speaking of Graham Stark, we've been messaging on Instagram this morning, because mm -hmm. he's in Australia. Australia, right. mate. That's right, yeah. It's like a, a million o'clock over there, whatever yep. whatever the time it's, is. Yeah, I think it's November over there. Yeah, of, of the year a million. Yeah, yeah, one million BC. <laughs> he Because he knows I'm a big horror movie cat, I've got an alien poster right here behind me that you can see. We're in HQ2, by the way, today. That's right. Good to see you in person. You too. And... uh there's a behind-the-scenes thing with Sigourney Weaver. There's a scene in Alien where she throws a basketball behind her head, and it goes in, nothing but net. Yeah. And they, there's a that she actually made that shot. Wow. So it's like this little behind-the-scenes of um, her talking about, like, you know, they had this prop where they were going to just drop the ball in, and they had this whole shot sequence where it's like a one-in-a-million shot. Yeah, totally. Where, like, they just needed me to – they just needed a good, clean shot of me tossing it. Yeah. And she's like, on the first take when we were rolling film, I tossed it and it went in. That's amazing. I got to I gotta watch that. So he just happened wow. to send me that because, you know, and then we were kind of talking about what a babe Sigourney Weaver is. Oh, yeah. No, nothing gross. Just no, no, like, no, no, I was just like, I just beautiful. had the huge crush on her from, yeah. from the film Alien. And then he just wrote me back just now and he said, dude, he's like, sorry to bother you again, which he wasn't bothering me, but he's like, today's Sigourney Weaver's birthday. Oh, perfect. So just <laughs> two worlds colliding. Okay. Happy birthday, Sigourney. Happy birthday. Our next email is from Dave Fredericks, who says, before discovering your podcast, I always thought Metallica was my favorite band. Now that I've been steadily consuming M-U-Y-P, I, all caps, know they are my favorite band, never to be replaced by any other. And this is why, Ethan, mm -hmm. I'm still waiting for a fruit basket from Metallica. I know. Look, do we deserve residual royalties for load and reload? Yes. Of course. Do we deserve some sort of global um, acknowledgement for keeping the fan base galvanized and excited about Metallica even beyond the album Hardwired to Self-Destruct? Right. Yes. Yes. Do I want that? No. Do I want a gift fruit basket yeah. with some artisan cheese and with the guy delivering it or gal to do give me a singing telegram? Yes. Yeah, and that singing telegram person needs to be Bono. And I, do I need it to be Bono all the way from Dublin? Yes. Yes, of course. Yes. It's not too much to ask. And while you're here, Bono, can you drop a, a fruit cake to my house? <laughs> I would rather a fruit cake. Than a fruit basket? Yeah. You're talking about like a gelatinous, hello, green jello. Hello. <laughs> you're talking about a gelatinous cake where you shake it and it jiggles. It's jiggling in Bono's car yeah. in his Uber on the way here. Oh, yeah. And in it's a bunch of fruit. Because he had taken Uber. You'd rather, yeah, he took an Uber. <laughs> You'd rather have that than a nice assortment of fresh fruit and an artisan cheese tray. Yeah, I would. Because I, I, I feel like. I don't get it. I feel like one of those, the fruit jello mold, it's just like, it's like a party on a plate. And it's, and it's a, a, a more of a celebratory look to it. I don't know. 
Hmm. I'd be worried about it somehow going bad. I, I'm, 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 I'm skeptical of Jello. That's where, my, that's where my heart is. I don't know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he goes on to say, every episode's been great. Thank you. I especially love hearing your experiences touring and working musician perspectives that you guys bring to the conversation and relating that to the Metallica experience. It gives me that much more love for the band. He says, this is the first podcast I've come across where I thought, man, is this really free? So much so that I became a patron. Keep up the excellent work, carrying the flag for the best band on earth, made up of some of the best dudes on the planet. They're a band that truly cares about the fans. I never met any of the boys, but in some ways, I felt I have through this podcast. I would kill just to get that James Hetfield handshake in the airport. <laughs> and then he writes, yeah, ooh, thank you. Yeah. Well, I uh, got a rare experience because I don't think he's going to do any handshaking anymore. No, not in, the new, not in the new world. Right. Uh, Maybe an elbow bump. Dave says, respect Dave. And if you read this to me on a podcast, please say, hello, Dave. Thank you, Dave, for the email. <laughs> nice email. At first, I had trouble reading it because it was a little bit of cryptic writing. <laughs> Dude, whenever we can do episodes in person, it's just so different. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm just smiling. I'm looking at Clint. Lovingly, as he reads emails. Lovingly. Okay, our last email is from Cyrus Nabors. I'm going to say neighbors. Sure, love it. Uh, Clint Ethan, thank you so much uh, for the quick episode about EVH. It was much needed. Eddie Van Halen, of course, uh, was such a uh, foundational cornerstone to everything rock and roll. It's hard to believe he's gone. My fondest memory about Van Halen was I loved Panama and sang it all the time as a kid. <laughs> I thought it was called Animal. Animal. Oh. It kind of sounds like that. Yeah. Uh, thanks again for uh, the touching and very necessary uh, cast about Eddie Cyrus from Durango, Colorado, New Jersey. Well, I mean, you know, that was kind of part. Getting on the horn with you is kind of part of me dealing with it too. Absolutely, it made me feel better. It really did. Yeah. I mean, I, I I wasn't even like I didn't see it online until you texted me and Paul about uh, Paul. 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 Uh, not here about his passing and uh, yeah major bummer but dipped into a lot of Van Halen that night and had a good time and in remembrance well we appreciate you out there in Metal Up Your Podcast land you can write into us once again Metal Up Your Podcast show at gmail.com and we will read it we will you can have I said this on my other podcast because we get a bunch of emails over there too yeah. and I said you have you're a human being out there mm -hmm. I don't know where you are maybe you're in Portugal where we just sent one of Squindo's posters that's right maybe you're in Scotland Maybe you're in New Jersey. Of course. And you got a thought in your head about Metallica or Cannibal Corpse or coming to America. I don't know what that is. Who knows? Or Jello molds. But you take that thought in your head, and I'm talking to you out there, mm -hmm. listener, dear listener. Yes. All you got to do, clickety-clack it. Shove it through the mystery and magic of the internet, through a bunch of tubes and pipings and portals, mm -hmm. and Bam, it's in my fucking face, Boom. and your thought is in my brain. That's right, and sometimes those thoughts ruin our day. How about I'm just that? Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. How about that strange power? Is that strange magic? It really is. Five magics. <laughs> the conjuring. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to get out of here now and exit the, the email portal. portal. <laughs>
You're really good at that. Hey everyone, this is Ethan and Clint. We're here to tell you about supporting the show via Patreon. That's right. Every week, Ethan and I work hard to bring you the best Metallica content possible. If you think the show has value, consider supporting us on a financial level at Patreon. For $5 a month, or the price of two cups of coffee, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast continues to grow in quality and content. But that's not all. In addition to being able to help sleep at night for supporting your favorite podcast, we've also come up with incentives to say thank you that are exclusively available to patrons. For example, for a pledge of $5 or more, you immediately get free downloads of every cover our world black and ep ticket giveaways for shows like snm2 and slain castle box sets rare vinyl metallica memorabilia like snm2 guitar picks email priority meaning we'll read your email first on the show with a chance to ask guests like hailstorm jay weinberg of slipknot and metallica row crew your very own questions and the opportunity to come on the show as a guest for our metal tales bonus episodes in which you can tell us all about any Metallica show you've been to in the past. All this and more for becoming a patron and supporting Metal Up Your Podcast. We couldn't do this show without you, and to everyone on the ride with us, we sincerely thank you. Peace. Adios. <laughs> Okay, well now, as we normally do before we burn this album down, we're going to do a little bit of context, and uh, I think the Meg- I think that we have a lot of Megadeth people. We do, yeah. They're Megadeth people. The same way I'm a Kiss guy, we're Metallica people. Yeah. I, my my theory is that they came in when they were kids, and mm-hmm. they've been they're on the ride. It's right. a, the Megadeth ride is for sure a ride. It's a ride, yeah. It's and I will say that I mean it's Dave Mustaine didn't just come back from New York having been unceremoniously fired. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't take that bus ride back and then just sit around. He he made a ride that you can get on. Oh yeah, uh, and he's the he's the wild conductor. That's right. And uh, so they will know much about this album, but I think there are also maybe people like me who, you know, I grew up listening to Prince as much as Metallica, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, Metallica's just they're like a prince for me. Right. Yeah. I don't really have a huge pedigree of I don't know all these albums. Yeah, for sure. I could tell you Prince's albums in the 80s. I'm the same way with Megadeth as well. I, I do love Megadeth. Obviously, my era was kind of like Peace Cells through uh, Euthanasia. I, I, so the album right before this, you kind of got off the ride. That's when I kind of got off the ride, yeah. like I, I did, And I didn't hate that record or, or this record necessarily. I just kind of I just got off the ride. That's all. Simple as that. Well, this is their seventh studio album and uh, released on June 17th, 97, by Capitol Records, band's last album with Nick Minza. We're going to talk about yeah, that so in a the, minute. This is the, la- the, the the beloved Megadeth lineup that everyone just adores. This is the last record of, of those four dudes. Now, I found this very fascinating because I work often in the country music industry, mm-hmm. and I imagine my surprise today to see that this album was produced by Dan Huff. Yeah, in Nashville. So it's made in Nashville, which is fine. I mean, yeah. as you mentioned earlier, Nick Raskolinix, Makes great out hard rock albums here. Yeah, I mean he made a ghost album here. But in the nineties, I mean, I, I'm curious. Be, he, he, Dan Hub is known for like Shania Twain, right? Uh, Faith Hill. Uh, How many Sugar metal Man. records were being made in Nashville in the nineties, though? But unless you're a local band, it's like that nineties country was so massive. Yeah, I mean, and we're gonna get into why I think they. So first, I'm I'm like, holy shit, Dan Hub. I mean, Dan Hub has made a lot of extremely successful, and he also did a lot of like Amy Grant. Right. He kind of came, and this is, a, again, a very Nashville thing. He came up through the Christian 
CCM yeah, shit. Yeah. And because there's a glossy sheen to that crap yep. that that country music adopted, um, especially throughout the 90s, he became a big mover and shaker in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get into why I think Dave chose Dan Huff. Okay. But regardless of, of – you know what I'm thinking about right now, too, is Chris Yerges, because Chris Yerges is a huge country fan. Oh, yeah, yeah, he grew up it. on that shit. Loves it. So he probably knows some Dan Huff records. But um, regardless of what I think about maybe some of those records, he's a masterful producer. Mm-hmm. And definitely an, an odd choice. All right. Um, as you mentioned, it was the last one with the beloved uh, lineup. That's my favorite Megadeth lineup. Nick yeah. Menza and, and Marty Freeman. Yeah. No disrespect to any of the other cats who put up with Dave of course, yeah. since then. Uh, debuted at number 10 on the Billboard 200, which is really good. Yeah. Really good. Absolutely. Um, certified platinum in 1998 for shipping 1 million copies in the U.S., Let's see. A remixed and remastered version featuring four bonus tracks was released in 04. Mm-hmm. Seven years after its original release, the album sold 850,000 copies in the U.S. and won widespread praise from rock radio programmers. I personally don't think that one sounds better. Right. So Dave did this other strange thing, which we'll we'll have to just get into that maybe at an, on another episode, but yeah. he remixed a lot of his stuff. Right? Yeah, it's really weird. I mean, there's a remixed version of Rust in Peace, which is crazy to me. It's not the best sounding record, but it's you know it's been in my head for so long in my life that I you know doesn't doesn't bother me. But I don't know. I mean, remixing a record a couple of years, like seven years later, just seems weird. But I don't know. So you know, ultimately, what we're going to do here, really shortly, in a couple of minutes, actually, mm-hmm. is we're going to have to let the album speak for itself, which right. is what all good art should do. It should all speak for itself. The context can only get you so far. At the end of the day, you got to put on Axis Bold as Love and yeah. deal with it. Yeah. You know because. Uh, I'm reminded, there's a little bit of a tangent, but reminded of like kids today. I'm sounding like some old man who maybe don't understand Jimi Hendrix. And so you have to basically contextualize, or even Eddie Van Halen. Mm -hmm. They hear Running with the Devil and they're like, it's just a hard rock song about partying with Satan. What's the big deal? And what you have to do is contextualize it and be like, you don't understand nothing that never existed before. Mm -hmm. So Hendrix is like an alien from fucking space. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you can talk about that forever. And you can show him pictures of how fucking dope he was. And he played this guitar upside down because they didn't even make a left-handed guitar. All this oh, yeah. setting the guitar on fire and shit. All this psychedelic shit. Yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, you got to put on, uh, you know, are you experienced? Oh, hell yeah. And it will speak for itself. Absolutely, it does. I, that's still my favorite Hendrix record. I mean... I love all his shit, but I mean, that one... I'm kind of on a Band of Gypsies kick, but the yeah. last one. But but yeah, I mean... this. You put on one of those records, no problemo. Oh, yeah. And, and cryptic writings will have to pass that same test. Yeah. Now, but I did want to talk for a few minutes. So I found this very interesting. Okay, let's hear it. So this is a little bit of context. And of course, this is from Wikipedia. Well, I, I didn't read 10 Megadeth books before this episode. <laughs> In 92, Megadeth released Countdown Extinction, which we've listened to, which I liked. Mm-hmm. I like Symphony of Destruction. Yeah. High, high Speed Dirt. <laughs> high Speed Dirt. Psychotron. Psychotron. Yeah, we know. We know what's going on here. Uh, which contains songs with compact, accessible structures that resulted with strong sales and significant radio play. It's it's generally referred to as their black album. Right. Yeah. That's where that's where they, the the thrash came out of the band. Right. And, yeah. Which you and I have no problem with. No we, problem. Uh, no. Metallica did that. They Metallica's on the Damage Justice tour. They're looking out at their their fans getting tired because they're playing the nine minute Injustice for All <laughs> songs. Right. And when they came in with Bob Rock, they wanted to make a little bit some adjustments. Right. Sure. Yeah. Dave did the same thing. Okay, so we're going to kind of camp out in this in this philosophy course, for a second. Yeah. 1994's Euthanasia and 97's Cryptic Writings followed a similar route with the latter spawning four top 20 hits. So check this out. Dave Mustaine, speaking about the band's commercial breakthrough, said, and this is a quote from Dave. He says, I think a lot of our success now has to do with the fact that we're willing to study the marketplace and educate ourselves. 
Most musicians don't get the opportunity to go into the market with educated strategy. Fortunately for us, our management educated us on how to study what's current without losing our integrity and to keep an edge while staying at the forefront of what's important right now. What? And I can't think of a lamer mission statement for going into a studio yeah. and making a fucking rebellious rock album. Right. I mean, to me, it's like you're... you're, you're well, we crunched the numbers. Yeah, we're studying the market, and then you go in and make a record what that's going to fit the market. So you went to... You audited a fucking community college business marketplace <laughs> demographic class before you made your art, and I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to think that's cool. I don't know. It's it, it's it's weird. I mean, I understand too that you know, like a, a record like Saint Anger, you know, they were a- adapting with what was popular then. But there's a way to do it that's organic. There's yeah. a way to there's because here's my. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. Right, that's a great devil's advocate mm-hmm. um, perspective. Because it does seem as though that was the first time in their career that they sort of looked around at their peers yeah. and maybe the success of what was going on and thought, maybe we'll do that. But I think that's because spiritually they were in a really tough spot and kind of empty and lost, lost mm-hmm. a lot of their confidence, just got lost. Right, right. And so they looked around to try to get some traction. Mm-hmm. But clearly, though, having proven themselves as artistic visionaries. Sure, yeah, of course. And then, of course, once they made the, the boo-boo, and we, they let the world see the wound, mm-hmm. they got back to business as usual. Right. And now maybe Megadeth did that too. But you won't ever see Lars, a soundbite from Lars about, well, what we did was we studied the markets. Mm-hmm. Well, we let our management educate us. <laughs> Dude, your management, here's what, I, what seems to be the case about a lot of Metallica's relationship with their management. They're like, their management's like, you guys are the artists. Mm-hmm. Do your thing. What do you want to do? Do your thing, and we're going to disconnect all the dots, and we're going to open all the doors. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to, and this is to their credit, even on saying anger, they didn't get involved. Yeah. You got Cliff Bernstein coming in for the listen, and you can watch him get tired. Yeah. But he never told them, don't do this. Yeah. So, you know, the idea of Dave being like, let's look at the markets and the numbers. Let's team up with management, which I always kind of see management as almost like an enemy of the art. Because yeah. they're a horrible job. Is to is to bring money and commerce into art, mm-hmm. and I hate to sound like a I'm preaching. I'm not really, but yeah, I, hear you. I make a lot of commercial music for money. I try to, yeah, but I don't do that with Lunar Satan. I mean, the, this is Megadeth. This is his art. You, you didn't you didn't tap into the market for Lunar Satan. Well, I met with a bunch of business accountants and <laughs> also got a soothsayer with a, with a crystal ball. Okay, so according to guitarist Marty Freeman, it took the band a year to prepare the record from note one to mixing. A lot of the material written during the tour for euthanasia. So this is why I think they got Dan Huff. I think, I think if they... So, okay, so enough of me preaching and bitching about okay. the philosophy. They're like, this is what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to study why Symphony of Destruction was a big hit mm-hmm. and w- what's the big song in euthanasia. I, I don't remember. It had a, okay, so, well, they, they were like, let's just, because some bands have success, and then instead of moving on or continuing to grow, they're like, let's just do that again. Yeah. And it's hard to fault some bands for that. I get it. You got bills to pay. And, yeah, of course. And being successful is important. Mm-hmm. So then they're like, let's, you know, let's get Dan Huff, a big hit maker, right. to make the album. It, it does seem like a very, very crazy choice, considering that he did like CCM stuff and then country I mean, or I mean, maybe maybe they were like, "Look, you've made a bunch of hits. 
we want to be that metal band that can maybe dish out a bigger hit than Symphony of Destruction. Says, in addition, Mustaine reevaluated the band's songwriting techniques, recasting some lyrics to better reflect the sales and radio airplay environment of then's rock arena. It sounds like the goal was to just get more popular and sell more records rather than, hey, we're going to pour our heart and soul into this art, release it. And if that happens, great. You know, but that's usually kind of, that's again, that's kind of man- management and like publicist jobs. There's a sense to where I'm like, there's a sense to me where I'm like, all right, you bastard. Okay, I get it. Don't tell me that though. Yeah. Don't, it's weird to see that. It's weird to come out and say that. Just keep it. This is why we're writing keep, this record. Keep the magic alive. Right. It is. Yeah, because it is a magic. Well, because, okay, because let's, let's say, let's say that there's something on this album is touching to me. Let's mm-hmm. just say that happens. Okay. And I hope it happens. Now, I'm just going to be thinking, well, he didn't write that as some sort of true expression. He wrote that because he thought it would touch me. Yeah. And so it's not who he is. It's who he thought I wanted him to be. It's just not what I go to tunes for, man. Yeah. And and, and to your point, to admit this, you know, and be so open about this, this is kind of weird for an artist to do. It's like, like you said, keep keep the magic alive. Don't, Don't tell us this stuff. It says, according to the liner notes of the remastered version, Dave had to alter many lyrics at the request of his manager oh my on the God. sorry on the on the remixed version I, so the remixed version came with a booklet that explained yeah it was just a little backstory on the album right so not the remix version on the actual cryptic writings okay, okay. he altered the lyrics because his manager who doesn't know shit asked him to wow that's like i mean might as well have brought phil Tal into the picture you live it or lie it, bro. You do. Um, listen, you live it or you lie it. You live it or lie it. You live it or lie it. I mean it. It's one one or the other. I, I, that quote is true right now. You live it or lie it. You live it or lie it. That's right. Damn. All right. Should we go more into this? I, I will say this positive. I really like the uh, I really like the album cover. It's my favorite Megadeth album cover so it's far. It's really cool, yeah. They toured the album with the non-Danzig fronted Misfits. Right, Jerry Only's Misfits. Which is cool. How do people generally feel about uh, that? I mean, I would say overall, if you're like a diehard Misfits fan, like you'll buy anything, then you're probably cool with it. But it's like no, nobody wants to, or most, a lot of people don't want to see that without Glenn Danzig. Yeah. Which is why when they when they when those two got back together, um, with obviously Doyle on guitar and then old Dave Lombardo on drums, uh, that's why they were selling out arenas, mm-hmm. you know, and they did minimal shows. I mean, are those like, albums good though? Have you checked them out? The Jerry Only yeah. era, uh, no. like Michael Graves and stuff. Uh, they're not bad, but it's it, it doesn't have that that magic. Because Dan Zig wrote that shit. Yeah, from what I from what I could tell from my like uh, the big one that I have, Earth AD. Earth AD. Yeah. I mean, that, Glenn, Glenn wrote those. Songs. Yeah, there's I mean, there's amazing songs. I mean, if you if you if you play those songs acoustic, some of them are beautiful songs. Right. Right. So they tour it. And I found I, this is the last point we'll make. And I know there are people who are like, get to the album. Please. There is also, let me refer you to the skip button. You can slide it. So Nick west. Menza, my favorite drummer of Megadeth, yeah. he gets injured. Well, he gets he's like a tumor. It's Tumors. not a tumor. Not a tumor. Come on. He has to go have surgery. While he's away getting surgery on his goddamn leg, he comes back. The tumor's benign. He's ready to rock. The dude that they got to fill in for him, which was Jimmy DeGrasso. Jimmy DeGrasso, yeah. Nick Menza says, hey, I'm healthy. I want to come back. He's told by Dave via phone call that his services were, quote unquote, no longer needed. Just insane. And then it says, on the other hand, Dave Mustaine believed that Menza lied about his injury. So I'm like, this is a guy. Oh, my gosh. Who for, 
a hundred thousand years has bitched about being fired from Metallica. Mm-hmm. And then he turns around and lets this dude go because he had because he had surgery because he had he potentially cancerous a cancerous tumor in his he, leg. He wasn't a, a, like a, a severe alcoholic puking out in front of the record store you're about to go into, uh, you know, in New Jersey. Like he went to have surgery. Well, and you know, there's a lot of sides, a lot of stories. I get that. Totally. Dave says he doesn't believe the injury. I don't know why Nick Minza would decide to leave a popular. Uh, a popular rock tour where he's probably only getting paid while he works yeah. to go uh, pretend with a bunch of doctors that he might have a cancerous tumor yeah. in his leg. You know, there was a point, uh, I'd have to find the uh, the article, uh, there was a point when Ellison was not in Megadeth mm-hmm. uh, and Mustaine had that arm injury where mm-hmm. his arm went numb, that Ellison like, didn't believe him, said it was, said it was fake. <laughs> What's up with the, what kind of trust problems do you have in this band <laughs> where people are just faking injuries? I mean, maybe they'll let, let us know in track one called Trust. <laughs> Well, speaking of that, you ready to do it? I'm ready. We're yeah. going to burn this down. This is what we do. We listen. We have a website called Genius Lyrics uh, Up that I like because uh, it gives you back backstory into some of the lyrics yeah. and to some of the songs. So something to kind of read up on. And uh, we're going to give it the what I will now refer to as the Are You Experienced Test. That's right. Because at the end of the day, if it's good, it's good. And right. there ain't nothing my grumpy ass can say about that. <laughs> right? Amen. Okay, here we go. Track one. The trust. Trust. Love those drum sounds. Yeah, the drums sound great. Trust me, they sound great. Hey, trust Nick Menza. He was a great drummer. Cool intro. It's kind of Lunar Satan vibes at the beginning. Are you all ready for this? A little Ellison. It's a really sp- springy bass tone. Yeah, it is kind of bouncy, punchy. Brand new strings. Oh, yeah. Active pickups. The song's about a toxic relationship. Yeah, this intro is super dope. Love it. Ooh, nice. See, th- this is the Megadeth I love where it's like, I mean, I love the thrash stuff. But when Dave's not writing those kind of weird riffs, just like really melodic and moving. I like it. Yeah. I like this. Yeah. Ellison's bass tone sounds way better now that the whole band's in. I didn't mind it at the top. I like this chorus. Sounds like Allison Chains. Yeah. Some strings in there. The end of that chorus. That uh, 
and that verse riff they're playing is super similar to uh, uh, this was my life on Counted Extinction. Mm. There's like a bridge riff that's very similar to that. Still, still really cool though. Yeah, those harmonies are rad. Yeah, those are strings, huh? Uh, oh, so hold on, hold on. First of all, a little bit of an inner Sandman ripoff. Now I lay me down to sleep. Yeah. Oh, Ooh. is that Esteban? Did Esteban <laughs> guess on this track? Esteban Friedman. Big left turn. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't have minded the song just carrying on. Well, it's going to be short and sweet. Act three. <laughs> Syrinx. <laughs> Act four. <laughs> Here we go, Marty. Do they play all that weird interlude shit live? I don't know. I have to go watch a uh, performance of this. Mim. There we go. Cool. Definitely more held back of a solo for Marty Freeman. Yeah, I mean, I would guess the song would need more of that melodic treatment. Yeah, for sure. I feel like we're going to hear a lot of that on this record. He let it rip at the end, though. Oh, yeah. He's kind of wailing back there. He's got such a good feel on the guitar, man. He's such an amazing player. I mean, shit, I gotta be honest, that's one of the better negative songs I like that I've song ever heard. I mean, I've heard that in the past, obviously, but there's a lot of weird noises on this record, by the way. Shit, that sounds like ACDC. Digging that bass tone, Yeah, man. me too, I was singing that. The song is also about dishonesty within a relationship. Did Nick have a tumor? <laughs> Did Dave really lie about his arm? Like we wrote a whole album about how we all fake injuries in our band. Yeah. Weird effect. Yeah, like a trim. Well, like just a very strange major feeling to that chorus. Yeah. 
and that's chord progression. You were semi sincere. Almost. Yeah, not really. <laughs> yeah, it goes to that A major. <laughs> yeah. It's just so weird for Megadeth. What should it have gone to? Like an F sharp minor? A minor? I don't know. It sounds like it's E, e, e minor to A major. Yeah. Or, I don't know, man. That is what it sounds like. Whoa. Is this the Amy Grant section? El should I. <laughs> Dude, this sounds like CCM. Uh, or what does this sound like? Dun, 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 that walk down. That's yeah. like CB A, a minor. He's gotta make it away. Like the outfield. Like, Marty's doing a little shredding, but not as normal, like, crazy shit. Like, it's cool, though. Very melodic and... Really cool ending for that solo. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> I just... I've I, I listened to this record in so long that... It's pretty funny, right? It's weird to hear a, a, that major of a chord in a Dave Mustaine written song. I mean, I like it. I don't hate it. That sounds like Alice also. Yeah. I mean, they definitely are achieving like that balance of being Megadeth and also uh, being produced by like a CCM country I mean, guy. That, I'm thinking as I'm hearing these first two songs, he should have just not said anything. I know. Because him saying all that made it weird. He could have, he should have just... Speaking of weird, listen to this. This is Use the Man. But listen to this. This is the intro to it. It's not on the remixed version. This is like the Beach Boys. I checked like... It's like the Birds or something. I checked like five different... Like... Is this just like a sample? Yeah, it, but then it... Watch, it just kicks into the song. It's so weird. And I, I double-checked so many... Uh, versions of this that were uploaded online and it's like why can't the song just start like that this is very early 90s chord progression world right here this is the I'm mad at my dad chord progression <laughs> dad you never listened to me you used to be a man dad I'm gonna stay up till midnight Yeah. 
Got that swirly 90s vibe. Yeah, totally. Really cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm really for 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 a Megadeth record that's way different from their previous anything. I mean, I'm digging this. I'm glad that I haven't listened to it in this long because I'm I'm genuinely excited. Oh, that thing at the top was Needles and Pins by the Searchers. The Searchers. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Narrowly dodged the Metal Police, dude. <laughs> the folk rock police. Pay the popper, John Popper. <laughs> you owe John Popper a hundred bucks for that <laughs> smack you scored on the fucking Blues Traveler tour. <laughs> oh, we have the titular li- line here after this chorus. Okay, cryptic writings on the wall. Ooh. Some echo echo brain vibes in this song. Yeah. Yeah. The many people that have requested this record for Explore the Big Four right now are sitting back, just like nodding their head like, I told you you'd like it. I mean, it, it, I definitely see it as a logical extension of symp- of um, Countdown. Yeah. Which I kind of liked. Yeah. I love the song Symphony of Destruction. Yeah, it's great. I love that song. Okay. Let's kick it to double time for the solo. Yeah. What do you say, Marty? Take it, Marty. You're my density. <laughs> I'm afraid you're just too darn loud. <laughs> hey, uh, we're the pinheads. It's cool yeah. to go have double time yeah. for the chorus. And tempo. They kicked up the tempo a bit, too. He just say I fight the war, but he changed fatal to metal. Ooh. Because they're a metal band. Oh. Oh, metal. Like a light metal or kind of a heavy? Uh, I'm not sure the alloy. Um, I don't know. Aluminium? Aluminium, yes. Man. I agree. I have seen the man use the needle, but I've never seen the needle use the man. That's right. Not like that. Uh-oh. Get it, Dave Ellison. Great drum fill. Hell yeah, this is sick. God. This song is about people becoming dumber because of their computers. <laughs> Wait till the iPhone comes out, guys. Dave said it's an anti-computer song, and I'm computer literate. 
He's doing his talky thing. Yeah, yeah. This is kind of the Dawn Patrol vibe. Yeah. Moles, you computers. <laughs> Neo Neuro Torture. Kind of a weird chorus. Great riff. Is that Vic Rattlehead doing the chorus? It sounds like this many kid. I tell you what to feel. I'm this many. Dad, let me go on Napster. <laughs> Dad, I'm trying to download off LimeWire. I'm downloading the new Megadeth album, Dad. <laughs> so it's the tra- uh, fourth track so far for me th- all the vocal stuff I'm not really in- into yeah but musically this is bitching yeah next time concerts happen in Megadeth plays here we should make signs that say play mastermind dude look at that Deep ass bass, man. Five string there. Yeah, for sure. Awesome solo. Great. Was that Dave? I think that might have been Dave. Now this is Marty. Maybe so, yeah. Dave's always a little bit, and I don't mean this in a bad way, a little sloppier. Like a little messier sounding. I know what sloppy means. You know what I'm, I'm, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's sloppy. What do you mean sloppy? Like, you know, messy. Messy. You know. Oh, yeah. You know, he's a shitty guitar player. <laughs> kidding, kidding, kidding. He's not. He's a great guitar player. Amazing, yeah. Marty Freeman's such a clean lead player. Yeah. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying, Clint. I got it. <laughs> yeah, Nick. I, wish I mean, once again, man, I like it. I do too. I wish that melody he just did that really high one was in the chorus every chorus yeah get the kid out of there the, the this many kid yeah, mastermind clint is currently on amazon ordering cryptic writings on the final <laughs> oh, a little low gun vibe i think this is the one thrashy one if i remember right the disintegrators yeah Stane said he wrote the lyrics to the song while stuck in hellish Los Angeles traffic. Oh. Been there. I like that melody on the chorus. 
it's just cool to hear them if, even when they do kind of play a thrashy song riff wise it's it's fairly simple you know it's not their normal crazy you know he sells stuff Ooh, Nick Minza. God, he's such a beast, man. Love that. Yeah. Great melodies on this tune, man. Man, listen to that crunch. It's a little scr- really cool. scratchy tone on that, man. Love it. I mean, this album is awesome. It's really good. It really is. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Huff. It sounds awesome, too. I it mean, really I, does, yeah. I mean, I figured it would. Yeah. Imagine if you were also recording at like the castle in Franklin where they, where they did some of this, recording your like 90s countries, and the the Megadeth door opens, and it's like, what the hell is going on over there? Dude. It's like it's like Rick Rubin too doing like Run DMC and yeah. Beasties, and then he's like, I want to do a Slayer album. Yeah, totally. You know? uh, Disintegrators is my favorite so far. Dude, that was badass. This is I'll get even. That's right. You'll see. <laughs> and your little dog too. <laughs> uh oh. Bomb. Dude, bomb, you got some uh bomb. oh uh, well, my, you, like Univibe going on the left. Yeah, it's Whoops. like a vibrato. Yeah. Lost inside the desert of every word you said, bro. Oh. I, I really love, we talked about how good this record sounds. The mix sounds great. I love how Elveson's bass is mixed in this, man. Really sounds good. cool that diamond yeah. guitar came in I'll get Ethan I'll get Ethan with you awesome like you know where I can find a really good covers EP called Lockdown I'll get Ethan with you oh thanks man it's called the Hotline. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking for someone that made a great reggae album. Um, yeah, I'll get Ethan with you. Yeah, I'll get Ethan with you. Voices in my head. What is this? Rem- oh, this is reminding me of Golden Earring. Uh, Golden Bullet Earring. hits the bone. 
Oh man, I haven't listened to that band. It's in three a.m. Uh, I'll sing it for you after this. Okay. You know when the bullet hits the bone? I probably do. When the bullet hits the bone. Probably. It's tough to think about songs when another one's playing for me. But it's like one of their biggest songs other than Radar okay. Love. Radar Love. Yeah. It's called. Uh, Damn it! What's the song called? Also, White Lion did Radar Love too. They covered it. Yeah. I'm I'm giving it up for this album. Dude. I'm clapping in the middle of it, in the middle of a song. That's right. Just because. Don't care. It's good. It's really good. Yeah. Now I can. Uh, on the antithesis side, I could definitely see like a Megadeth true not liking it. Yeah, I, I could. I could see them have gotten off the ride like on Countdown to Extinction. After you know, because I mean. Countdown or a Rust in Peace of Countdown is similar to Justice to Lock Album. And then we're, we're in the load era now of Megadeth. Call back later. He's tied up. <laughs> yeah, he's out to lunch. <laughs> Can I speak with the supervisor, please? I'll get even with you. You'll leave your name and number. <laughs> Great harmonies. Yeah, man. With the long fade out, I call I, that the Nashville fade. I, I, yeah, I miss a good fade out. Yeah, it's slipping into the twilight zone. Faces on my house feels like being. Alone. I probably know that. It's a huge hit. Whatever, bro. Whatever, dude. What do we got here? Sin. Trem guitar sounds really cool. Yep. It's a cool part. To get that. Bah, bah. harmonies yeah
That's by Dave. Yeah. I hear the difference you speak of. Yes, yes, yes. Close. And if you can't hear the difference, I'll get Ethan with you. <laughs> Sick. It's so good, man. Sick. <laughs> I'm really surprised right now. I'm going to take 20 years off of listening to Hardwired to Self-Destruct and then get my mind blown in no 20, 2040. I mean, the lyrics are still silly and the vocal performances are kind of silly, but that's the sound of Megadeth. I yeah, mean, yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm not asking him to not be who he is. He is who he is. The, yeah. the, but the, the songwriting on this album, in my opinion, and the production value, mm-hmm. it, it, it behooves him to have all those cool effects heavy on these great weird Alice in Chains harmonies right yeah and you know the slow I mean everything he was saying I mean the slower tempos the more groove oriented riffs man I don't think these lyrics are that accessible I mean God God knows what they were before his fucking manager got in the lyric I know right (laughs) a secret place well, only we can go. But Indiana Jones will find it. There's some sitar in there. Hmm, I wonder what other band in the 90s uses sitar on an album. <laughs> Are we going to hear Hurdy Gurdy on this one? This song's about getting lost inside a secret place in your own mind and losing touch with reality. What? God, I love Nick Menza. Great kick sound, too. Look how yeah. round that is. This tempo Megadeth, I'm a huge fan of. Oh, yeah. Guest starring Ravi Shankar. <laughs> Dan Huff knows him from way back. Oh, yeah? I don't know. I hope so. I want that to be true. JK. JK Rowling. Whoa! Cool kind of octave riff happening right there. I dig yeah. that. Dave's just pedaling. Boom, boom, yeah. boom, 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 boom. Holding it down, man. Chorus isn't as cool as the verses. Yeah, yeah, totally. I agree with that. They like lost something. I love that sitar is still in there too, man. Their feast don't show. The harmonies on the second half of these verses is sick. Yeah. Interesting, no chorus two went to a bridge. Yeah. 
said twist and shout, didn't he? His secret place is like the Parthenon in Nashville. <laughs> totally. Grimies. Yeah. But the old Grimies. I lost my debit card in my secret place. Grimies. <laughs> Whoa. Fade out weird solo? Weird fade. That was weird. <laughs> He's like, I don't know how to end this. Can we just fade it out? Yeah. Sure. Hey, Marty, stop. Marty, Marty, <laughs> stop. Marty, Kirk. Marty, Kirk. Kirk, Kirk, Kirk. Kirk. Marty. Kirk. That one snare. Love Dave Ellison, man. I know, man. That was really cool. Oh. <laughs> I love when they always uh, they, they take the effort to write whoa in the lyric sheet. Yeah. Here's where we say whoa. Whoa-oh. Grimey's Records. This probably could have benefited from being a little faster. Yeah, maybe. I, I, it's a little draggy. It is dragging a little bit. Like even like three or four BPM would have, yeah, given this a little bit of totally. This is the first one that I'm like, ah. I mean, but that's, but, but I'll say, well, how many are we in? Eight like, songs. Eight songs, yeah. Solid record, man. Solid, yeah, for sure. I mean, shit, some of my favorite bands of all time have track skippers. That's just how it is. Yeah. Yep. I don't even know if I would skip this one, though. It's not It's not where I'm like, oh, God, this is terrible. Yeah, you're right. You know? Yeah, that's true. I am starting to get a little bit of, like, Mustaine vocal fatigue. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're actually listening to the deluxe edition. It's 28 songs. Oh, good. <laughs> we'll take a lunch break and come back. And then Megadeth, please. Make- actually, it wasn't 28 songs. All right, this song is called Have Cool, Will Travel. I don't understand that. <laughs> Musically, it's off to a great start. High on some of these songs, man. John Popper? Is that a fucking harmonica? (laughs) That was harmonica. (laughs) That's what he meant when he said pay the popper. That's right. Pay him for his track he did on. Yeah, he had to pay his session rate. (laughs) Master scale. pretty cool is this the chorus this is the chorus right here oh no no i think you're right i think hey is the chorus is this the bridge then this sounds like a bridge what is that instrument doing that 
on the left? I don't know. It could have been a guitar run through something, but... I mean, shit, I'm not surprised by anything anymore on this record. We already heard harmonica. I'm looking up to see who played harmonica on this. There it is right there. Doesn't say on Wikipedia, but wouldn't it be amazing if John Popper did play harmonica on this? I feel like he could rip a harmonica solo as fast as Marty Freeman. <laughs> there it is again. <laughs> well, dude, when you were looking it up, there was a huge solo. Yeah. Why can we not find this information? I know, dude? it's crazy. Uh, well, by the way, that song kicked ass. Yeah, it did. So according to Wikipedia, nobody in the band played harmonica. Marty Freeman did the sitar, though. He probably played that same thing that Kirk played for Rome. Yeah. Haunting stuff in the background is pretty cool. This is the, uh, for Dave's vocals, my favorite register for him. He's not like doing his growly thing. He's not singing super high. Because I think it really sounds good in this range with harmonies. Clint is still trying to solve the harmonica mystery. Should just message Dave Ellison. to get Dan Huff on the phone. Dan. This is She-Wolf, by the way. Uh, this one is often in their set, too. I dig this song. Oh, 
I mean, dude, so far, Have Cool Will Travel is the only one that I'm like, that's okay. I like that one a lot. The Have Cool Will Travel? The only one I didn't like so far is The Secret Place. Oh, sorry, Secret Place, my bad. I like Have Cool Will Travel. I mean, this is so far my favorite Megadeth album, for sure. Dude, it's rad. It's really good. Great guitar harmonies. Sounds like Akari Warriors on Nintendo. It sounds like a no homage to Detroit Rock City. Yeah. Well, the first part did. This is a little like Castlevania video game. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said Akari Warriors. Yeah, definitely Castlevania. That's Maiden right there. Yeah. Get it, Nick. Dude, okay. Bitchin'. Love it. Vortex. Shit, man. That's sick. It's a rad riff. The way it ends. Yeah. Oh, well. It ended different. Let's see if they do it right here. Yeah, yeah. Man, that's awesome. Curse the falling rain, the vortex of pain. Dude, the next line is, as medieval as Merlin. As medieval as Merlin. <laughs> I stroke my Merlin's beard. Dave can definitely, I think, do a good job of taking lyrics that are slightly corny and delivering them. We don't really understand what he's saying to kind of maybe hide it a little bit. Dude, this one's sorry. This one's got to get medieval guy treatment. Internal combustion, multiple personalities. Terror inside of me, a mask of silent agony. Yes. Curse the falling rain, the vortex of pain. As medieval as Merlin, a pact for power was made. Yes. Lucifer in transition, it's time. The price was paid. Scorching the domain, the vortex of pain. A telestic message written in torment. Howl out the dirges like the horns of Jericho. Distorted faces writhing in rage. Walls of purgatory tumble down. Endless death, the jewels of a crown. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Like, if you ever need a job writing for, like, Magic the Gathering cards. Totally. (laughs) Absolutely. He's good to go. What does telestic mean? Uh, dictionary.com. Pertaining to the final end or purpose. Okay. 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 The jewels of the crown. The jewels of the Nile. Woo. Okay. Dude, I dig this. 
God damn it, that is an awesome riff. Yeah, it is. Classic Megadeth key change in the solo. I'm really looking forward to knowing what FFF is all about. All will be revealed. Final Fantasy Forever. Wow. It's like a weird descending chromatic yeah. thing. Almost sounds like it should be halftime right there. Oh, oh I thought they were going to do it. Asking you shall Did receive. They do it? Yeah. It's kind of like a half. It means. I mean, a little bit, yeah. It's, it's basically what I was asking to happen. I keep wanting it to be a groove beat, though. Yeah. Dun, ta, 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 dun. Yeah, totally. But he's going to do that dat, dat, do, do, dat. Right. Wow. What an... Here's FFF. Oh, here we go. Living or dying, laughing or crying. Once you have seen it, you'll never be the same. Dude, this is fucking this is motor, motor breath. breath. It's totally motor breath. This is motor breath. You know what FFF means? It's our response. Off. For. No, no, no. Back to FFS. Damn it. I mean, this is still bitching, but that part, that, that beginning is totally motor breath. My country, tis of me. That's right. Living and dying, laughing and crying. They are all missing what life's all about. This is definitely more like traditional thrash. Yeah, totally. I feel like if it wasn't thrash, if it was just like this, it'd be a little less motor breathy. Don't say my country tis of me. <laughs> Don't say that. Marty's like, finally, I get to rip. Hell yeah. Fight fire with fire. <laughs> 
Ooh, nice, Clint. Well, shoot. There we go. Is that the end? That's, That's the how end. the album ends? Okay, well. Man. Uh, okay, well, okay. I wasn't expecting it to end so abruptly. Abruptly, really Well, did. okay. Uh, not a great ending. Not a great ending. A, a total motor breath ripoff. That's insane. Pl- I mean. Plus, like, the weakest song on the album, probably. Um, and then just no no big trash can. No no great conclusion. It really just, yeah, just comes to a grinding halt right there, which so, is great. Which may have aesthetically been what they were shooting yeah. for. They're like, look, we kind of wore all of our diehards out with this slow, groovy, melodic mm-hmm. Alice in Chainsy album. Let's just give them a thrash barn burner and say bye. But other than that, that album is... Dude. I'm extremely... It sounds patronizing to say impressed. I mean, I don't mean it that way. Yeah. I think Megadeth is awesome, but I am blown away by how much I like that album. I am too, I, for myself included, and to watch you get really stoked on this record. And like I said before, some fan of our podcast right now is stroking their chin. They're Merlin's beard. They're Merlin's beard saying, I told you, Clint, you would enjoy this album. Well, that's what's so cool about the Explore the Big Four series is the opportunity to be surprised by something that touches you, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And I mean, without this podcast and without doing this series, the chances of me (laughs) devoting 90 minutes of my life to cryptic writings (laughs) uh, were pretty low. So I'm glad I heard it. I mean, heck yeah. That's definitely, I mean, did they press that? mid 90s stuff on vinyl probably or reissue it or anything i'm sure one of the two i'm sure but i bet the reissue of it is that 2004 remix i hope not i I like this mix i know i wonder if there's an og version of that it's probably not cheap but 97 was definitely a no man's land for vinyl it kind of was yeah like 90 93 94 through like 2005 yeah is a tough time for vinyl yeah it definitely was also a great time to be buying vinyl that's when i started collecting it was in like 99 so um, I didn't start collecting until like 2006. Yeah, dude, I would love to have that record. On, yeah, me too. On vinyl, me too. I'd jam that for sure. Well, pleasantly surprised. Write in. Let us know what you think about cryptic writings, and uh, you know we need to pivot obviously to either Anthrax or Slayer next. I think you're excited for me to hear no, State of Euphoria. State of Euphoria. Yeah, the one a, after the um, one after um, Among the Living. Correct. Yeah. Right. Which was their kind of 86. Among the Living was their puppets, right? Yeah. 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 But. Uh, to me, it's it, it those those records are kind of bookended, man. They're like, mm-hmm. like they could be a double album in my. Opinion. I liked them on the living. Cry from the Indians is my favorite yeah. Anthrax song. So, uh, well, I'm looking forward to doing that again. Uh, leave us the positive review on iTunes if you want to win the copies of Murder in the Front Row. Mm-hmm. It really goes a long way. It's an easy way just to support the show, and we're going to continue our year of gifts by giving you those two DVDs. And then, of course, if you are willing and able, if you think the show has value. And you'd like to buy us uh, a proverbial beer a month, you can support us on Patreon, P A T R E O N dot com slash metal up your podcast. And then at the end of this month, we will be giving away the deluxe box set mm-hmm. of SM2 vinyl. I know, it's insane. So all you have to do is get over there and get on the Patreon train. You're going to get a bunch of VPs, a bunch of music, and the opportunity to win cool shit like this vinyl. So, That's right, man. Uh, we'll leave you with that. Everyone have a good week. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your families. And we will see you on the flip-flop. Peace. Adios. <laughs>